On this Good Friday, this time of important meditation and reflection, I would like you to turn your Bibles once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you, if you don't, don't worry about it at all. It's okay. You can easily follow along as I go along in this devotion tonight. Because Easter falls late this year, I've had a unique opportunity to do an approach to Easter following our missions conference in March. And we have been looking at the cross of Christ and the wisdom of God. That has been our theme for the last couple of weeks, both morning and evening, and we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16. We're not going to look at all those verses again tonight, but for those of you who are visiting tonight, and I want to be very sensitive to the fact that some of you haven't heard any of this series, so I will try to briefly catch you up on where we are at and then try to bring everything together tonight in a, in a Good Friday meditative kind of thought as, as we bring this together. We have been looking at the cross of Christ and the wisdom of God. And I hope that I have been presenting to you biblically that there is an inseparable link between the cross of Christ and wisdom. Wisdom is a word that's often thrown around a lot, but we are talking about biblical wisdom. We are talking about godly wisdom, a wisdom that comes to those who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and that wisdom, the very essence of it, is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, we see the wisdom of God. And as I shared with you in verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the cross of Christ is the power of God and the cross of Christ is the wisdom of God. And then we looked at the fact that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the very pinnacle of the glory of God and the wisdom of God. Because at the cross of Christ, God answers the greatest question, the greatest dilemma facing all of mankind in the history of the universe. And I know that sounds like a dramatic statement, and it is meant to be. Because at the cross of Christ, the great question is this. How can a holy God save, have a relationship, show mercy to sinful men and women. How can he do that? How can a holy God show mercy to sinful men and women and still remain holy at the same time? That's the great dilemma. And God answers that in that he pours out all of his wrath and all of his judgment, all of it, every single part of it. He pours out all of his wrath and judgment on sin and then he himself endures the punishment for all of that wrath and all of that judgment himself. He takes that wrath and he takes that judgment and brings it on himself, endures it himself in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And there, there folks, we see the wisdom of God. 
there is great wisdom. We also saw in this series that if we are to be truly wise men and truly wise women, then we must die daily to the thoughts about wisdom from this world. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. We must die to self-reliance and self-sufficiency and give ourselves wholly to the wisdom of God that is found at the cross of Christ. And then, finally, we looked at in this series that the wisdom of God is a gift from God. It is not something you go out there and try to attain. Wisdom does not come from education. Wisdom does not come from life experience. Wisdom does not come from age. All of those things are good things and may bring certain benefits in life. But when we talk about biblical wisdom, it is not found in any of those things. It is a gift from God. It is a gift given to those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, which means that you see things and understand things that unbelievers do not see and do not understand because you, by the Holy Spirit, have the wisdom of God. This passage could be summed up in a few verses. Verse 7, verse 12, verse 14, and the end of verse 16. In verse 7, it says, But we impart, Paul says to the church at Corinth, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We have a secret and hidden wisdom that has been unveiled in the unfolding revelation of God. It has been unveiled to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. In verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because, because they are spiritually discerned. And then the very last sentence of verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. That incredible statement given to the children of the Most High God, we have been given the mind of Christ. Not that we have the same exact mind of Jesus Christ. We can't see the beginning from the end. I can't read your mind. I don't know what's going on in your heart. But we do have revealed to us by God's word through his Holy Spirit thoughts from God thoughts that he has chosen to reveal to us, we have been or are the partakers of the thoughts of the living God, creator and sustainer of heaven and earth. And so last Sunday night, we began to look at four major implications of the cross of Christ and the wisdom of God. The first major implication that we looked at last Sunday night is that we are to desperately hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. We should be a people who desperately want the wisdom of God. Now it is a gift from God, and yet it is something at the very same time that we seek and press hard after. And there's no contradiction there. We find that kind of tension in the Bible throughout 
the Old and New Testament. For example, holiness is a gift from God that we have as believers, and yet we pursue a holy life. Righteousness is ours in Jesus Christ, and yet we pursue righteousness. And so it is with wisdom. It is a gift from God, and at the very same time, simultaneously, it is something that we pursue. And I shared with you uh, that I was listening to a sermon by David Platt who said that he had done a sermon series years ago on 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 and was so convicted about the importance of the wisdom of God that ever since that time he has prayed every single day for wisdom. Every single day he prays for the wisdom of God. First major implication is let us desperately hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. Second major implication that we looked at last Sunday night is that we need to be a wise and discerning people. We live in a culture that is rapidly losing all sense of moral right and wrong. And the church, the church is the voice of wisdom and truth in our culture. And if we cease to be that voice, no one will be. No one will be. There is no backup plan. There is no alternative. If the church does not speak wisdom and truth into our culture, no one will do it. So we need to be a wise and discerning people. Which brings us to tonight, the third and fourth major implication of the cross of Christ and the wisdom of God. Our first point tonight is wisdom in others. The third major implication is true biblical wisdom shows a sacrificial love and concern for others for the sake of the gospel. True biblical wisdom shows a sacrificial love and concern for others for the sake of the gospel. A wise person, a wise man, a wise woman sees everything through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We not only show love and concern because we are commanded to do so, but we show love and concern because we are a conduit. We are a conduit for the message of the cross. We are the bearers. We are the messengers of the cross of Christ. And so, biblical wisdom shows sacrificial love and concern for all people. For the sake of the gospel. I remember a number of years ago, one of our missionaries, many of you will know him, some of you won't if you're visiting here tonight, but one of our missionaries, Brad Buser, uh, delivered a mes message here years ago in which he repeated over and over again for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. He said, you need to have a healthy biblical marriage for the sake of the gospel. You need to be a godly mother and father to show godly concern for your children for the sake of the gospel. You need to be an honest and hard-working employee for the sake of the gospel. You need to be a good neighbor for the sake of the gospel. You need to be a faithful church member for the sake of the gospel because everything we do is a reflection of the gospel. Everything we do is a reflection of the gospel. Everything we do needs to be seen through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Key passage, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. James asks this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a great question. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes, watch this, from wisdom. In deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now watch verse 17. This really sums up the whole series. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Two things I want you to notice here. Notice what James says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. Don't miss that. Some translations have the wisdom that comes from above. This is not something I go out there and try to get or attain. Wisdom is from heaven. It is a gift from God. And the wise person is concerned about their behavior before God and men. They are pure. They are peace-loving. They are considerate. They are submissive. They are full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, all for the sake of the gospel. You see, the wisdom of God causes us to live differently than the world around us. It causes us to live a different kind of life. Truly wise people, truly wise Christians, don't just see people, they see eternal souls. When a wise person looks at a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, they don't just see a person, they see an eternal soul. And so when that person is rude to you, that unbelieving person, is rude to you, obnoxious, opposes you, maybe even mocks you, argues with you, you, by the wisdom of God, see beyond all of that and you love that person because you see an eternal soul. The truly wise person sees the people of this world. We look out and we see Asian people and Arabic people and African people and Latin people and Hispanic people and people of all ethnic origins and different languages and cultures. And when we see them, when we look at those people, do you know what a wise person sees? A wise person looks at all of those people and sees potential brothers and sisters in Christ who will one day worship with us around the throne of the Lamb. We don't just see skin color. We do. We are grateful to God for it. We just don't see different cultures and languages. We do. We're grateful to God for that, for the diversity and beauty with which he's created us. But we see potential brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see those people who are one day going to stand with us and worship the Lamb. So the third major implication of the cross of Christ and the wisdom of God is that it shows a sacrificial love and concern for others for the sake, for the sake of the gospel. 
And then finally, our fourth one, which is our second point tonight, wisdom and the gospel message. Wisdom and the gospel message. The fourth major implication is this. True biblical wisdom relies upon the power of the gospel message to open the eyes and hearts of unbelievers. True biblical wisdom relies on the power of the gospel message to open the eyes and hearts of unbelievers. The wise person knows there is only one way that an unbelieving heart can be opened, and that is through the gospel message. Familiar passage, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. If the pinnacle of the wisdom of God is Christ crucified, then proclaiming Christ crucified must be our highest priority. If Christ crucified is the pinnacle of the glory of God and the wisdom of God, then proclaiming Christ crucified must be our highest priority. I think all of us, all of us, ought to memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person, the unsaved person, the unbelieving person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We need to know that. We need to know that. He or she does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him or her, and he is not able. He is not able to understand them. So let us come back again and again and again and remind ourselves we cannot argue, intimidate, or soft-sell people into the kingdom of God. We can't. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves of that. On one side... We can't argue and intimidate people into believing. It doesn't work. On the other hand, we can't soft-sell the gospel. We can't water it down or try to make it politically correct so we don't uh, offend anyone. No, in love, in love, in love, we give out the pure biblical gospel, trusting that it will do its work in the human heart and mind. You must, you must have supreme confidence in the wisdom of God, the gospel of Christ crucified. We must have great confidence that the gospel will do its work if we are faithful in giving it out. I want you to remember something tonight. I want you to remember what it was like when you were without Christ and without hope in your life. Just take a minute. Maybe some of you were saved real young and you don't have a lot of recollection of that, but remember what it was like when you were 
without Christ and without hope in your life. You know what happened to you? God opened your heart. And God opened your eyes to see what you could not see before. So remember, remember, only God, only God can open the eyes and hearts of others. And trust that he will do that. Only God can open the eyes and hearts of others. Let me try to bring this whole series to a conclusion. I've shared this with you throughout this series. And really, Good Friday is the perfect time for this. James said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach to all who ask him. Any person here tonight can be wise. Maybe you have a lot of education. Maybe you have very little education. It doesn't matter. Maybe you have great wealth. Maybe you have very little wealth. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're here tonight and you're very socially influential. Maybe you're here tonight and you are, in your own mind, an anonymous nobody. It doesn't matter. Did you know that you can be as wise as anyone upon the face of the earth? Did you know that? I want you to be encouraged by that. I want you to be challenged by that. You can be as wise as anyone upon the face of the earth if if you spend your life at the foot of the cross gazing upon the beauty the wonder and the wisdom of God in Christ crucified. As we share the Lord's Supper together on this Good Friday evening, let us gaze upon the cross and desperately hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God.